We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, I was writing today's newsletter, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Um, because I, um, you know, we're thirty and we're thirty and twenty-seven, right? So Correct. we're not, you know, this, we're not we're not in contention. You know, this this is not a championship team. There's not going to be any parades this season. Um, in all likelihood, there's not even going to be a playoff series. Man, season. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But like, just you know, is it? I was conflicted as I was, and granted, it was like three in the morning, so I I was conflicted about like seeing straight. But like, how how big do you go, right after a win like that? How big is it? How big can you allow it to be to yourself based on where things have been and how far they have come? I don't know. What are you? What are your thoughts? As before, so I am at the moment. Do you remember the 2019 Mets at all? Oh, uh, the 2019. Wait, so Alonzo's rookie season. Wait, whose rookie season? Alonzo's, where he broke the record. I remember they had a losing record and they didn't like make the postseason. No, they actually had a very much a winning record and really? almost made the. They yeah, wow. So you remember nothing about the 2019 Mets? Um, it was when I was really starting to get into like basically making this a full time job. So oh, yeah. believe me, I, I I was right there with you, buddy. Um, so in 2019, the Mets started off poorly and then around the All Star break decided they were going to start winning. And there was all these expectations. Like, they went 15-1 and one at one point. Um, and it got to a point where I was just going to – I stopped putting a cap on what this season was going to be. Because at first it was like, oh, great, they're going to get back to 500, but they're not going far. 
oh, great, they're going to get over 500, but they're not going far. Oh, yeah. great, they're going to give us fun games to watch in August, but they're not going far. Then they pulled ahead into a wild card, and I started putting expectations on it. And I feel like that experience, because they ended up falling short, has prepared me for this season. Because I, I don't think, because baseball, at least, you get in and you have a chance. Well, I don't think anybody in their wildest minds thinks this team has championship in their future. But here's the reality, John. I'm done putting a cap on what this team ceiling is. I'm just, every time I say, well, RJ is going to hit this level, he goes a step higher. Randall's going to hit this level. We're now talking about all NBA third team as like a realistic possibility. Why can't this team be the fourth seed? Why can't they take Philadelphia to six or seven games? I'm... I'm officially at the point where I don't know what this team's ceiling is. I know they're flawed. I know that in a... So here's the question I'll now turn to you, John. In what series that they will play in the postseason in the Eastern Conference will they not have the coaching advantage? So I'm going to answer that in a second. I have two thoughts on what you just said, though. Go ahead. Um, this, the, I think the difference between baseball and basketball is you'd love to be able to turn to the season that happened for the for the Metropolitans a few years earlier when they were not terribly far above 500. It was the trade deadline. Things were up and down. The season could go either way. And then they found themselves in the World Series because that's baseball. Uh, that's baseball season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they had the making then of a, of a baseball team that could do such a thing. Whereas in basketball, there is an understanding that unless you have certain players of a certain caliber, like those sorts of magical runs, barring a once every, uh, tw- well, once every like what, 20 years, basically the last time it happened really was with the Knicks in 99. Like you're not going to, you're not going to get that. But then you, I, you know, you look at things and like the fact that RJ Barrett is the best fourth quarter shooter in the league since the All Star break, and yeah, and and Julius Randle is, um, it's like whatever whether it happens All NBA or not. The more important thing is like there aren't fifteen guys you would definitively say, all right, I'm taking him taking that dude over Randall for this season. If I had a game to play this season, I'm taking that guy over Randall. So like, I, and then to the coaching thing, he has a decided advantage over playoff Mike Budenholzer, maybe not regular season Mike Budenholzer, but playoff Mike Budenholzer. Steve Nash, I mean, who knows? Um, not that Jerry's Steve Nash out, actually yeah. coaches that team. We know who coaches that team. And, you know, Doc's been around. Doc's also had some some low lights. And, and of course, boy, you want to talk about a series um, played between New York and Philly, between two guys who are on the same coaching staff in Boston and mm-hmm. won a championship a decade and a half ago almost. Um, it's uh, it's fun stuff to even think about this. But let's, let's get into it. You want to start getting some people up here on the stage? Let's do it. For those who are here for the first time, we already have a speaker request, too. I'll bring you up in a second. For those who are here for the first time... Um, the rules are simple. We'll bring you up one at a time, get you in for about six or seven minutes. Uh, you'll go one-on-one with John, and at a certain point, uh, we'll dismiss you. Please don't be offended when I just remove you from the stage. Uh, and if you have background noise, please mute your microphones. 
John, are you ready? I I, I am as ready as I can. I mean, I have, this, I this, is this is special days. I have just... a feeling this is going to be a parade today. A nice little party. Um, I'm going to butcher his name, but Kwasim Makani. How did I do? Hello. Yeah. What's up? Did did Kwasim or Kazim? It's Kasim. Uh, thanks. Kasim. Okay, Kasim. Welcome to. What's Thank going on, man? Great, great. Uh, obviously, everything's going great. Uh, <laughs> how could anything be going any better right now? Um, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, no, that's it. I, I agree with you. Yeah, nothing. It, it is hard to imagine a realistic world where things could be going better right now. I will. I will say that. Uh, absolutely right. So I, I just need to go on a minor rant for a second because I haven't got, got a chance to post comments in super chats and things like that, uh, like a lot of the fans have. But uh, I gotta say, uh, everyone's been showering a lot of praise on you, Jonathan and Andrew, uh, and it's all been pretty well deserved. I get the only thing I'll say to add on to. All that is, this is best, by far, my favorite Knicks content that I've ever consumed. So yeah, I'll just give you guys that. All right. That means, that means uh, more to both of us than uh, we could probably express in words. So I'll just say thank you. you Check you're is welcome. in the mail, Kasim. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. All right. I have two questions. One's current roster related. One's future roster related. Sure. So, uh, current roster related. So obviously we have Pell on a 10 day. We somehow have Henson on a 10 day as well. Um, he's, that actually expired. So he's not, um, okay. they didn't, yeah. So we, they have actually right now an open roster spot. Okay. So what I'm wondering is obviously we don't know the deets on, on Burks yet in terms of whether it's contact tracing or full-on COVID, we know it's health and safety. We're hoping it's just contact tracing. I'm guessing is that the detail there? Um, we, I mean, yeah, obviously that that is the hope. Um, we've seen a few times this season that somebody's able to break whether or not it's actually COVID or it's just contact tracing. But mm. for the most part, I feel like the league has been doing a pretty good job of keeping this stuff under wraps. Yeah. And you just kind of figure it out based on how long the player is out. We we have no idea right now, though. So so assuming it's it's terrible news. What what are the rules in terms of us being able to bring on somebody uh, before the playoffs? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so there I, there are rules for in the NBA for like getting an injury replacement, um, like the ability to replace someone that has a certain type of injury. But my understanding is that um, it is more it is more um, salary cap related, um, first of all. And second of all, um, I am you would uh, like you would need to say that the person is out for the whole year. So and I, don't, I can't imagine a scenario where what I, I mean, even if he even if he has this, they're not going to rule him out for the year. So I don't think that's yeah. an option here with with Burks, um, you know, but it, it just in terms of like. Missing his his impact, um, I think we saw some semblance of what it was going to look like last night, and I don't want to go too overboard because it was one game. But RJ Barrett sure looked mighty comfy handling the reins of the offense in the beginning of that fourth quarter, um, and I'm actually like probably 
even more bullish on them being able to survive Burks not being here for a, a bit of time because unlike some people, I'm, I don't think quickly is in like Tibbs doghouse. I don't think quickly is like done for the year. Ter- like, oh, being, no way. No. Being, being an impactful, impactful player. I think he's in a little bit of a slump. I think that was a game last night where Tibbs needed to feel confident with every single person who was on the floor on the defensive end of the court. And I also think he recognized that he, the Knicks could score against that team. And look, I mean, it would be a lot easier to second guess if they lost. They won. So not having quickly out there in the second half is like, OK, it, it worked. Um, we'll see moving forward. What I what I do want to say, though, is that the, I, I, I think quickly is going to play a major role down the stretch. And I think he will, in addition to some of the things we saw last night, um, help them sustain the loss of Burks for however long he's out. OK, great. Um so, second question, future roster related. So, uh, looks like, barring crazy stuff, um, we have Julius, RJ, OB, Quick, uh, obviously not going anywhere. And Noel, Burks, Reggie, and, and I loved what you, that insight you provided about Mitch possibly working with. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh my God, that that was that's very exciting. That tells me that oh, okay, Mitch is more likely in the long term plans than less likely. So I'll include Mitch in this list as well. So if we assume that we we love this team chemistry, we love the roles everyone's starring in. Um, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys, including Mitch. And if they decide to bring back Rose as a backup point guard, that's that's nine. I think you could write that maybe not in pen, but you could etch it in some pretty deep pencil there that Rose will be back. Right. So if that's the case, then that's nine guys and Tibbs runs a 10 man rotation. So I guess my question is out of these nine guys between who we're drafting and who we're going to get in free agency, um, we're going to be getting more than one person that's a rotation player, more than likely that's a, a, in free agency or the draft, right? So who, who are we replacing? Um, uh, who would you like to see replaced in the rotation from either free agency or the draft? This is a great question, not only because it's a thoughtful one, but it's not something I've heard anybody ask yet. And because we – I, I am as guilty of this as, as anyone we're constantly thinking about like, great, let's bring in this guy. Let's bring in that guy. Let's draft, you know, this player and that player. And it's like, okay, great. That's one conversation, but it doesn't jive. But the other conversation it's like, we got to bring Burks back. We got to bring Reggie back. We got to, you know, exactly. Only- Someone's minutes are going away. Right. Yeah. Um, also just one quick note. I do want to add on the, on the Mitch thing um, for anybody. And this pod, I think was over a year ago. I had on, um, Oh God, the guy who runs Kentucky Sports Radio, um, but he's as tuned into all things uh, University of Kentucky as anyone. And he told us, um, on told me on the pod that Mitch, like we read, like uh, I don't know if anybody saw the True Hoop article that came out a couple of days ago about like, and this relates to a lot of stuff we've heard, you know, about Wes uh, William Wesley being like so intent on making this about like being a family and guys who, you know, it's the Kentucky relationship and all that. So I think the Mitch roots that go back to when he was briefly in college tie into 
them continuing to take a position that he is going to be, they want him to be a part of this core moving forward. So I just wanted to um, tie that, tie that loose end together in terms of answering your question, which is a damn good one. um, I would say two things. One, other than Randall, RJ, Mitch, Any, do I want to include anyone else? Other than Randall, RJ, Mitch, and, like, I guess I'll throw quickly in here, too. Um, I think I don't think anyone is like, yes, you can and, – and Rose, for the most part, I think, also. I think he's probably the fifth safest guy. I don't th- – and even quickly, the reason I hesitate on quickly is because um, if Beal becomes available and he's just the first name that comes to my mind, if, you know, insert your – uh, superstar-ish shooting guard who asks for a trade, right? Um, if that player becomes available and the Knicks can get them, do are any of us really that naive to think that quickly won't be put on the table if that's the guy that it takes to get that player? I mean, what do you what are you what do you think? I I personally am not thinking that way. Okay, so so what you're saying is, yeah, all these eight nine guys we mentioned. Uh, they're likely comebacks unless there's a big trade in the works, in which case only some of them have, you know, uh, uh, are in the vault. Yeah. And, and then, so with the, and I, I, I put quickly and Noel be in, in the, the category. Point. Um, but well, here's the thing, right? Is so, I one, think one the because the Wasserman of, of Bleacher Report, actually wrote about Noel being unlocked by Tibbs. And I'm just thinking he's not going to be, regardless of what value he has on the market, he's not going to be more valuable to any other team than us. I I completely agree with that. I think you could actually say the same thing about Burks because of the backup point guard flexibility. I think you could say the same thing about Reggie Bullock because of the two-man game that that him and and Randall have developed. So I'm, I'm not trying to, and like, look, if you want, you could even throw Frank into this conversation. Um, I don't, you know, maybe that's a little fanciful. Maybe I'm making too much of too much of last night's four minutes. I guess my point is, it, it, there's enough of these guys out there that it's a wait and see in terms of will the Knicks bring them back and will they be replaced? For example, um, let's say, for argument's sake, and again, I, I, I know. Nobody wants this player except me because I'm deranged, apparently. But let's say DeMar DeRozan is like, I am going to come to you and be your starting shooting guard, and I will sign for two years and $40 million, right? So realistically, probably the cheapest you could possibly get DeMar DeRozan on. Let's even say I'll give you a team option for the third year with a 2 or $3 million guarantee, right? So really solid deal for the team. Maybe 20 is too high a year. Let's say 15, 15 a year, 15, 16 a year. Mm-hmm. At that point, it no longer becomes as imperative to bring back Alec Burks and Reggie Bullock. So I think in terms of like filling out next year's roster, there's so much still unknown about what's going to happen in free agency. You know, another guy, if you want to talk about in the draft, like if they take you know, the Moody kid, right, from Arkansas. If they take Kispert, like, 
what does that do for Reggie Bullock's chances of returning back to the next next season? Like, again, we love Reggie. We want Reggie back. Um, hell, let's get really nuts, and let's say that they – I mean, I don't think this is going to happen at this rate, but, like, let's say they get in the seventh spot and they somehow lose two playing games and they get lucky in the, you know, in the lottery and move up and Evan Mobley's staring them in the face. Like, all of these things have a trickle-down effect that I think will affect their team building – but I think the nice position to be in is I have to think, A, they're comfortable with a lot of these guys coming back and playing big roles. And more importantly, I think a lot of these guys would want to come back and play significant roles with the caveat that, like, how much does a Burks, a Noel, even a Bullock increase their market value based on what they've done this year heading into this summer? And, yeah, yeah and that's and that's the unknown, right? That's what we just don't know. You mind if I ask you a very quick hypothetical? Sure, go for it. Um, so we all, we've all been, uh, uh, you've been preaching to the same choir in terms of the value of playoff experience versus increasing lottery odds and all that good stuff. Um, but if I was to give you a choice that uh, we can either guaranteed be in the playoffs um, or we guaranteed win the lottery, what's, what's, not what do you what would you prefer? What's more beneficial to the Knicks organization? Um, winning the lottery. <laughs> it's okay. not, All right, it's not close. The only the only and and that would I would I would say winning the lottery, getting the first, getting the second pick in the lottery. Um, it's only I top would, right, in terms of winning the lottery. So the they can't at this rate. I mean, barring them literally losing the rest every every game. Um, there's no scenario where they would have the fifth pick, um, only the top four because that's okay, the top four that you can win. Yeah. So basically, I would I would go so far as to say this because I think there's some disparate opinions on Jonathan Kaminga, but in terms of the top four, um, uh, Cunningham and uh, thank you so much for for coming up to um, the stage and asking some really good questions. And I'm going to actually think a lot more about the the roster construction one that you asked, Kasim. But uh, Cunningham, um, Green, um, Mobley, and Suggs, I would actually say I think it's more important to get any of those four guys than um, making the playoffs. And you know me, guys. I want to make the playoffs more than, like, I want anything in the world. So, but I just, you know, I think you're talking about two, you know, two, two good things to have to a good problem to have right um okay james um stands on anyway before i you ask your question james and um i just invited you up to speak i hope i invited you up to speak um yeah there we go um are, are you there hello yeah i'm here um can i just ask you a quick question yeah what's up did I imagine you saying that you put money on Minnesota to beat um, – did you put – to cover last night or – No, to win the game. What, what did you get on that? Uh, plus 350. I put – I put 300. I put 100. So 300. Fuck you, man. That's nice. Well done. Yeah, and man, I'm an idiot though and I'm a degenerate and I put it – I took that – took 75 of that and put it on the Padres and stayed up all night and I'm really tired now so I kind of – Wasted seventy five of that, but it's okay. 
Well, look, I mean, we're, we're all de- if we're here, we're all degenerates. So um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's all good. Um, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, uh, I just wanted to ask, who do you think is more important to the team? Because I, I think like Derrick Rose is getting really underrated here and there. But um, I know you pointed out, but like, like is it Derrick Rose or Noel? And like, do you think going back to that other question, do you think like they would value Taj or Noel first? I, I mean, I think the pretty obvious answer is Noel. But if you consider like money and and that, where would you go? Oh goodness, these are good ones today. Um, I did not have nearly enough sleep to answer like actual solid basketball questions. In terms of Noel, let, let me take that. That's that's the first one that is popping in my mind. Um, if you're asking me, would I rather have Taj Gibson next year? at one year and like something slightly above the veterans minimum, which I'm pretty sure you could get him on because he's playing on the veterans minimum right now or Noel at a price that is like above, like I'm okay overpaying for Noel, but if Noel's like, I'm going to need three years and $36 million at that point, I kind of want to just sign Taj. Um, I'm I'm comfortable offering Noel two years in the neighborhood of like the low twenties. Does that sound Does that sound reasonable to me to you? It sounds reasonable to me, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's fine. I don't want to give him like three, four years. I don't think that's like I'll. So here's the thing, right? There's there's and and I'm not obviously the first person to bring up this topic, but there's been like. An interesting conversation that has happened, I think, over the last several years. And you could really even, not to give them credit um, this morning of all mornings, but, like, you could really point to what the Mavs did several years ago with uh, Seth Curry, where they signed him. And and I remember I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, man, they went four guaranteed years on Seth Curry. Like, why would you want to go four guaranteed years on Seth Curry? And now we're looking at it and be like, Shit, they went. They got him for four guaranteed years at under ten million dollars a year, and that dude's a, he could start for any team in the league. So I think there's like there is a world where you want Noel for more years, but getting him for twelve million dollars a year is very different than getting him for six or seven million dollars a year. So I don't know where I'm drawing the line in the sand at like at which point it becomes you know more like better to go with Taj. It's a great question, though. Um, and yes, um, real quick, uh, Sanjay says in the chat, that was Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio. Yes, I always forget uh, his name for some reason, which my apologies to him, who uh, who gave me the um, the Mitch uh, tidbit. As far as Rose or Noel, I think it's, it, I think it's Rose. Um, it has to be Rose. So looking at it right now, uh, good old Cleaning the Glass, my favorite website in the world, um, Derek Rose has the highest... Um, plus minus differential on the Knicks. They are outscoring teams by 6.4 points per 100 possessions when he's on the court in non-garbage time situations. Um, the only guy who – the two guys who are closest are Burks and Emmanuel Quickly. Now, the one thing I will say is that most of that um, most of that uh, advantage comes on the defensive end, and they're actually scoring less – than their average with him on offense, which is like – so that speaks to me that there's a little bit of noise in those numbers. But I think it's Rose. I think they need Rose. And I think if we want to have these crazy conversations about throwing scares into the Milwaukee's of the world, like 
Eric Rose needs to give you 25 minutes of like, I, like whatever the best version of this Eric Rose is. And I don't know what that is, but like, I think it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely just want to keep him for at least another year or so. He, oh, he, he'll be back. Like, like yeah. where, where is he going to go? Like, what is he? I'm trying to think like what team is going to like, cause for him to leave, some team would need to offer him a stupid contract. And like what team's offering a stupid contract? I just don't see that team out there. Maybe the Clippers if they get really desperate, but eh, I don't know. I don't know if I see that. Um, but uh, anyway, James, you're the man. Can you uh, any bets coming up for you tonight before I let you go? No, I, I think I need to stop and like just take my money and run. But um, I'll <laughs> let you know. <laughs> please, please do shoot me a shoot me a DM or something. Um, I'll see you uh, in uh, tomorrow's uh, halftime zone, um, hopefully. And thanks for coming up. Um, I just before I get to the the next person uh, to bring up to the stage, uh, a couple of good comments in the chat here. George, uh, my man, George Noel might resign for two for twenty. I, I'd be cool with Noel for two for twenty. Um, Jonas Plout always with the good comments. Sometimes players just want to settle down, especially journeymen. Hundred um, percent. Um, we heard this from Justin Holiday. Once a Nick, always a Nick. Justin Holiday this past offseason before he resigned with in, the Indiana Pacers for, um, I think it was two, uh, two or three years. Like he just wanted a home. And also, um, Cedric Shine, Noel lost so much money. I actually hope someone pays it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This summer, I love him, but we can't afford him and Mitch with the way he's playing. I'm not going to say they can't afford both of those guys, but I do agree that I'm not sure it makes the most sense team building to have both Mitch and Noel back, given the most likely salary scenario. I think we'd be looking at them for. And uh, one one last one, Kasim uh, in the chat. Noel's barely older than Julius. I want more years if we bring him back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 100%. So let me bring uh, Mr. Claudio up onto the stage and also Adam Feeney. Um, and uh, I will just say, hello, Adam. How are you? And uh, good good day to you, sir. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, thanks for doing these. These are always a blast Saturday morning. Um I have two things to talk about. Uh, first is an apologies if this is something you covered last night. I didn't get to listen to the post game. 
Um, RJ had an incredible game that's so easy to get overshadowed by how killer Julius was. Like, it's easy enough to look at the 24 and 8 that he dropped on the board. Um, but the two things that stood out to me most are, one, he played f- over 46 minutes, which is stellar to show that Tibbs has so much confidence in him. Can I just was, interrupt yeah. you for one sec? I had absolutely missed that, that he had played crazy. 46 minutes. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. He was All just right. the anchor for the entire game for us. Wow. Um, okay. but the thing uh, that obviously yeah. was most impressive was during the four minutes that Julius sat at the beginning of the fourth, RJ went four for five, put back his only miss for 10 points, increased the lead from four to 10 in the time that Julius needed his rest. Um, it, it's so great to have a number two who can act like a number one at times, especially since he's 20 and he's only going to continue to improve. So I just want to know some of your overall thoughts on RJ, and then you can jump back to me for a quick Yeah, thing absolutely. So um, I've been I've been really personally particular about the things that I want to see from RJ Barrett, and like, so the interesting thing for me is the thing that has gotten I think the most attention around the league is the shooting. Um, I was I love how Tibbs says it by the way. He's always like the shooting piece or the shooting component. He never just says shooting. He's always adds extra word. Um, and listen, that's amazing. And like, obviously, we're, we we're not winning the games that we're we're winning if he's probably not shooting the way he's shooting. But like, to me, RJ be like th- being this level of shooter is less important than his ability to survey a defense and find a matchup advantage using specifically using the strengths that God blessed him with. And those strengths are big ass, broad shoulders, um, ability to like, he has a plus handle for his size. I mean, like we, people will talk about RJ's handle and like, it needs to improve. And like, yes, it does need to improve. Um, I'm totally on board with that. But how many brick shit houses do you see? Do we see in the league who have that like a plus plus handle, which is where at this point we're kind of asking him to get to. And the two plays that I love the most out of the ones you're, you're I'm so one was definitely the beginning of the fourth quarter. It's when he took um, uh, JJ Redick on the block and just like zero hesitation. He's like this dude, I outweigh this dude by whatever, 25, 30 pounds. He can't stop me. I'm just going to get a bucket now. And nobody could do a blessed thing about it. Um, and then the other one, it wasn't in the fourth quarter. And I did mention this, I think, on the postgame last night, but I'll mention it again. He had, it was, I want to say, and somebody feel free to type it in the chat if I'm if I'm misremembering. I think it was Josh Richardson on him. It was either Josh Richardson or Dorian Finney-Smith. It was in the first half. RJ had the ball at the top of the key. Um, he he, I think he passed, he had it. I think he passed to Randall and then Randall gave it right back to him to allow him um, the chance to like back up and get more of a running start. And he put the jets on and he left again. I forget if it was Richardson or Dorian Finney Smith in the dust, he beat him and it didn't end up uh, converting into a basket because RJ tried a little up and under and uh, Porzingis was there and Porzingis, I don't think he got a block, but he, you know, he deterred the shot. 
And like, that's the finishing that's, that'll come. I'm not worried about that. And, and being better about drawing contact again, not worried about that, but just to see RJ turn on the jets and beat a guy that's like a good NBA defender, um, a good NBA wing defender to me, that's like, yes, between that and the post-up piece. Um, and then, you know, obviously you throw in the shooting, like, I, again, I, I'm 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 almost tired of having the conversations about like where is this going and what is he and what is he like just it's just it's all good it's everything you want so um, yeah uh, Adam what are your what, do you have a favorite play from last night uh, from yeah um, yeah totally my favorite play from last night was it was a kind of a post up where KP was ding him up and what impressed me most was. The help defense, I can't remember who it was, was coming in from top of the key. And RJ just kind of waited it out until he caught the helper leaning the other way. Yeah, blew in between them and finished with a little left hook layup. Um, It was clean. And you could see that RJ was seeing the game slower than everybody else. Because he just waited until the help defender's left foot had just finished planting and their weight was on the other side and blew right past them knowing they couldn't catch up to him. Um, I, I love it. Um, and uh, thank you so much for coming up to the stage and, um, and giving some, again, these are really high quality stuff today. We have the best fans in the world. Especially um, during bath time. Is that what I'm hearing right now? That was amazing. It was the most amazing thing. You heard it too, right? The multitasking, I, I swear. This is dad life, okay? Um, I get it. Well, no, I don't actually get it. But. You don't get it. You 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 can't no get it because dad life is not something you could get until you actually do it. Um, but I just I want to say um, one more thing about what about his favorite play, Adam's favorite play of the night. Um, there are times and like um, let's uh, sh- shout out Kevin Knox. Uh, there are times where we as fans will be like, he's only nineteen. He's only twenty. He's only 21, and it's like, quite honestly, it's bullshit because it doesn't, like, it's out of context in terms of what we're seeing on the floor. When you see the patience and the wherewithal and just the savvy that RJ shows, that's one of the times where you're like, he's only 20, and it means something. It means a real thing. So um, awesome stuff. Uh, Really just love it. Um, Andrew, you, you may have been, you may be better at keeping track of our speaker requests, uh, than me. I think I have just, uh, Ahmed Ali. So I'm going to call him up to the stage unless, uh, you tell me that there's someone else I'm missing. Oh, so if you can't tell everybody, I'm no longer the host of this meeting because my internet is deciding to be as dependable as Christoph Porzingis's ligaments. So, um, <laughs> unfortunately uh, I can't tell you, John, what the okay. speaker requests are. That's- I see speaker requests, and it says Ahmed Ali. So I'm just going to go ahead and call Ahmed, Ahmed Ali. What's up, Ahmed? Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Great, man. How you doing? Uh, good, good. Firstly, I'd like to say I am not tired, staying up till 5 a.m. to watch the Knicks. Um, great win. Um, one thing I wanted to say was uh, Julius's aggressiveness. Um Near enough the half, you'd taken as many threes as Luka Doncic and Chris Porzingis. And that really stood out to me because all Chris Porzingis does is really shoot threes. And Luka loves three as well. Um, Julius Randle's aggressiveness paired with what RJ's been able to do. What do you think would be like a, a long-term fit 
in, at the guard position to work with those two? Would you go for a, a shooter or more of a playmaker to complement what they've been able to do and what they what we think they will be able to do heading forwards with another season under Tibbs and a bit more internal growth? Um, I love the question. And um, yeah, just just as it pertains to Julius, um, 11 three-point attempts for Julius Randle. Um, eight for Chris Stops and nine for Doncic. Here's the thing that I want to say about Julius and his three-point attempts. If teams are going to guard him out there, I don't think, and he's, a, he's said this to me. I'm not sure if this is something that, um, and and thank you for the for the um, the question, Ahmed. This is this is something that I'm not I'm not sure if everybody remembers from earlier in the year, but Julius said like when somebody asked him about all the threes he was taking, he's like, "That's not really where I want to live. That's not my wheelhouse." He's like, "I'm taking all the threes because teams are giving me the threes." Like Luca and K- the fact that KP takes all these threes, like, is a cop out because he's seven foot fucking three, um, and he just like whatever. We don't need to talk about Kristaps. But like, if they're gonna give Randall the three, he's going to take the three, and that's why he put in the work that he did this off season to specifically get better from three because he knew he knew if he could hit the three pointer, then there would be no stopping him. And we're literally seeing right now that there is no stopping Julius Randle. And, and, and so I wanted to make that point first. To, to your main question in terms of an ideal fit between these two guys, um, you know, I've, I've kind of uh, – let me – actually, let me take a step back. If, if Kawhi Leonard if, – if, uh, if the Clippers lose in the first round of the playoffs or second round and Kawhi Leonard wants to come here, I mean, open arms – I will welcome him with, as will all of you, as will any sane person. I do not think that is the ideal person to come to the Knicks because uh, Kawhi, as we saw in Toronto, benefits when he could just kind of do his thing, make the right pass when he needs to. But like Kawhi is not a playmaker. Kawhi is a bucket getter and will will playmake if and when he needs to. To your question, I think they need more of a playmaker. Now, there are playmakers in different forms and fashions. Um, you know, Damian Lillard, you could call Damian Lillard a playmaker. I look at him as more of a scorer. Steph Curry is maybe the you know best scorer we've seen in the league over the last uh, decade or whatever. Um, but that dude is also a playmaker at heart. Like, if you're asking me for guys that are available and realistic in terms of best fit, I still will say that um, it's Lowry or Chris Paul. And that's not to say that I would necessarily pick those guys. And we've had this conversation off and on over the last several months at this point, I feel like. That's not to say that I would take those guys over Lonzo Ball because I do think Lonzo Ball is a really good fit. And I do think Lonzo Ball can do some really nice things with these guys. And I think Lonzo Ball would be a really nice fit because Lonzo Ball may not be the playmaker that his brother is, but doesn't mean Lonzo Ball is not a guy who can make plays in the half court. He can. He can make life easier for your player, for your offensive players in the half court. And that's because he's a connector and connectors have value. And maybe we haven't even seen his playmaking ceiling. But just in terms of like you're asking me who my ideal guy would be, it's a Kyle Lowry, it's, it's a Chris Paul, it's like, it's that sort of guy 
that unfortunately there's not a ton of younger versions of that in the league right now. The dude who I think is going to be a version of that type of player is Jalen Suggs, which is why, like, if there were any way, if there were just any way to get that dude, and I don't care, I would package, I would package both of our picks this year. Um, I would, pa- I would, I would throw in a future first, and like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into like a thing that oh, I hate Obi Toppin, but like an Obi Toppin, um, and I would make that. And trade. they'd say no. So, yeah, yeah, they would. Um, <laughs> well, given, given given where our picks are, the the picks, uh, New York's and Dallas are likely to end up um, at at this point. So yeah, I agree. But that that would be the guy in the draft that I think. Um, can I just um, chime in on CT Pittman? I was wondering uh, if you were going to address that. That's an it's a great question, regardless of how I answered it. But yes, how many wins do you see the Knicks ending up with now? Okay, so I laid out a formula um, in yesterday's newsletter for them to get to 37 and 35. Uh, I don't know that I could say 39. Uh, I want to say 39. I mean, I could see 39. But here, so for just very, can I just really quickly do a little schedule going through right now? Do we have anybody request to speak right now? Um, I don't believe that we do. So I'm going to do a a real quick, uh, schedule look right now. Okay. Take it away, doggy. (laughs) You're the worst. You're the best. (laughs) You're also the worst. Um, so best case realistic scenario, five and one on the upcoming homestand. So, and then they beat Houston on the road. They beat. They win two of the remaining five games on the West Coast trip. Um, so that gets us to – what's our record right now? We're 30-27. and 27. So yes. I've just, just got five, six, seven, eight more wins. So that gets us to 38. And then that gets us to the final three-game homestand, San Antonio, Charlotte, Boston. Shit. I mean, I guess there is a world where this team gets over – That's unreal. At the very least. I would say re- the realistic ceiling is 41. I think, like, the real-world realistic ceiling is 40, and I think 39 is absolutely in play. So that's what I would say, yeah. Watch them in 35. No, 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 we're positive today. What am I doing? Never mind. What are we doing? I, I actually think the floor at this point, um, and we have another speaker request, uh, and I'll, I'll bring uh, George up to the stage here. There we go. My main, my main man, George. I think the floor at this point is one, two, three, four, five. I think the floor is actually thirty-six wins. I think the floor is thirty-six and thirty-six, and that's re- and that's being pretty pessimistic. Um, George, do you have a ceiling floor outcome for the rest of this year? Ab- absolutely, absolutely. I did a whole video about this. You should watch you? it. Yes, I, in, into I, I into the Knicks verse. I'm into the Knicks verse. Nah. I love it. I love it. All right, I went through it all. You can watch it. Thirty nine is now. Now it's completely possible because I had us losing uh, this uh, the Pelicans game, the first one. So, okay, and then we took the Mavs game, and that's on track for thirty nine wins. And you just laid it all out. We can actually get to forty or forty one. It's not insane. It's not, it's insane. not insane. It, you know what? We got through that terrible stretch, 
and it was looking terrible for us fans. But look, the players, you know, they had it in their hands and they just took care of business. It was wonderful. It's a great day, man. It's a great day for us Knicks fans. It's a it's a fantastic day. I, I, I like I don't know if you were here at the very beginning. Like I was saying, I was a little bit like on the fence about how how excited are we allowed to get, or should we allow ourselves to get? But it's just like, come on, this is we've earned this, right? You know, yeah, absolutely. And and we're they're doing it in in so many different ways too. That's yeah. the beauty of it. Like sometimes it's like a guy like Burks. Who just explodes, you know, and then now we win without a guy like Burks. You know, we didn't even need the bench really that much uh, last night. No. And, and, and then that, so I do want to say one thing that um, is except for, except for Rose, of course. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. He's that's, we need Rose. Um, so uh, see my man, CT Pittman says uh, no cap. I know what no cap means is his bold pr- uh, prediction is that we'll make it to the Eastern conference semis. Um, Steve Jones, who I, I really respect, uh, his takes on, on the game and he breaks down film really well tweeted, I think after last night, something along the lines of like, I really want to predict or like say that the Knicks could go into the playoffs and actually do some damage, but I'm fearful of those, you know, I think whatever five, six, seven minute stretches where it just looks like you don't know where the next basket is going to be coming from. And I, I felt that in my core because we've all felt that in our core of the season. Um, that said, that said, they have a top 10 offense over the last eight games. Okay, I know it's only eight games. It's eight games. But that's not nothing. You know, it's not everything, but it's not nothing. And I'm starting to feel like for as much as the defense may have gelled on the earlier side of this year, maybe the offense just took a little bit longer to come around. And now we're seeing what we're seeing, and that's, I don't know, it's kind of exciting. It is. It really is. I, you know what? The truth is, as far as the offense, because I have the same worries as you do about those five-minute stretches and everything, but if Julius can just maintain the game that he's playing right now, <laughs> I, I, I mean, really, it's hard to, to pinpoint exactly who's going to beat them in a seven-game series. Seven what? games. Who's going to beat this team that plays defense the way we do and can hit three-pointers, uh, you know, surprisingly, because none, none of us thought this was going to be a three-point shooting team in the beginning, right? I didn't. I Well, no. Um, and then, speaking, and then the George, constant growth. Huh? Speaking. Go ahead. Yeah. Into existence. Who's beating us? No, I just – here's what I'll I say. I know. Who's beating – and I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm just – Philadelphia – I know they didn't have him beat, but still, they barely beat us. I mean, look at the top teams have barely beat us. Yeah. Barely. And I will. now the team is starting to gel. RJ and the other thing, the, the great thing about young players, remember the Boston when they made that run with uh, Tatum? Yeah, nobody, Nobody knew that was going to happen. No. Except maybe Danny Ainge and, and those guys. But with RJ, this guy is a killer. He, he took Canada yeah. to the gold medal. <laughs> you know, I mean, that doesn't happen. So who knows what this guy is going to do? And I love the the chemistry with him and and Randall. They really respect each other. They let each other roll when they're when they're rolling. And last night, I got to tell you, last night when the offense was in RJ's hands, I, I chatted this before. I got to say, I think it looked better. It no, I sounds sacrilegious, but no, it looked better to me. It's not sacrilegious because. He's a, it's more traditional and it's more 
like there's a reason why this has become a league dominated by playmaking wings. Like that's because of how the league is, is officiated and all that. And like the, the fact that you can play RJ at the two, like Randall, you're, you're always going to obviously be putting him at the four or the five, not that we do that, but like, it's just, it's harder for, I think Randall to, it's harder to run an offense to Randall, which is why you don't see a lot of teams running an offense through, you know, their bigs. Um, I, in terms of who's going to beat us, look, um, they're always going to give up some open threes. Um, so that, that's like, true. Like a, that's a tall, a tall team, a tall team that can shoot threes can be. I us. mean, the, it, look, if the, I, I'm no, I, I don't want to put a put a end this on a dour note, but like, if the Nets are healthy, if the Nets are healthy with big. Big, um, glowing, uh, red, flashing lights around if, right, if. Like, I don't – I'm not sure how you beat that team if they're not beating themselves Um, because, like, what what do you do? Um, It's just – it's the two of the most brilliant – three of the most brilliant individual scorers that we've ever seen. Um, And then Philly, I just – I have so much respect for Joel Embiid and what he can do. Then again, like I watched him at the end of uh, the game a little bit last night against the Clippers and like fucking um, Patrick Patterson was flustering him a little bit, you know? So yeah, yeah. is Joel Embiid above getting flustered? In I want to get, we, we need Mitch back for that. Well, that would be lovely. Mitch messes with uh, Embiid's head a little bit too. Yeah. No, his, uh, his yeah. length and his, his quickness. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't fear him either. He doesn't um, have the girth. But yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't fear. Him. He doesn't fear him. Beat, you're he, right. doesn't, he doesn't fear him, and he gives him a run for his money. In Milwaukee, I've been saying it now for a couple, you know, week or so. Dude, I, Milwaukee, I I want to see that matchup. I I would, yes. I would pay some American dollars to watch yes. that yes. basketball series. Um, I think that's an upset in the making. Well, listen, let's we're the one step at a time. Yeah. Hey, we got to let's, let's ride the good vibes. We're riding, we're riding it. Um, George, uh, you're the man. Thank you always for. Uh, thanks a lot, um, guys. Of course. Um, I, uh, Jonas, uh, let's let's end with with Jonas Plot. Jonas always has the great comments and the great takes. Um, hey, well, hold I, on. Did you see what Futterdick said? No, I didn't. What did he say? <laughs> he said that Tibbs is DMX and Nash is Jason Mraz. <laughs> God. Okay. Let, let me get. Let me, I'm gonna get. Go, Jonas. Go, Jonas. Go ahead. Jonas up here, and then I want Funny out, out here to close in here for the last couple minutes to close it out. Jonas, what's going on, my man? How are you? Not much. I'm a little under the weather, but how about you guys? Sorry to hear that. I'm I'm I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I could use a nap at some point today, but other than that, I'm all right. That's good to hear. So I just want to. I wasn't planning on speaking, but uh, I have two things that I just, I guess, came to my mind. Oh, what about the last comment? And I wrote this in the chat that I actually don't think any team will want to face the Knicks because, you know, especially the top seeds, they want Agreed. easy rides in the first round. The Knicks won't give anyone an easy ride, you know? Can I just say on that on that point, um, like, do you really think any of those top three seeds give a shit about facing the Atlanta Hawks or like um, or like the Charlotte Hornets? Or like this, you know. I, I think the Pacers have a little bit of a like better ceiling in them. But like, honestly, honestly, man, this may come back to bite me in the ass. But like, 
Jimmy Butler called his team soft last night. Like, what? you know, I don't – like, maybe the Heat are just not going to recover from all the time that they were in the bubble. Like, I, I think we we are the team that teams will not want to face. So, well, good point. Well, what was your other one? Oh, I was just wondering, like, do you think there's any coincidence at all that the Knicks are 5-0 and and Elf has played his best five-game stretch of the season? I'm just saying, like, I know it's not down to him completely, but there has to be some, like, connection there. Wait, who? So I missed who you said. That who's played his five, best five game stretch? Peyton. Oh, um, let, we had to talk about Peyton once. Like it's it wouldn't be a Nick show without talking about Peyton. It, it is so close to not though, John. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but you know what? Hold on, because I'm gonna uh, I talk about things that nobody wants to hear. I am going to give myself, me, Mister Jonathan Macri, some props because boy, have I felt like shit. All season long about the take that I had when Alfred Payton was signed. And because he has come in here this season and he's taken big poop after big poop on the basketball court. We see them. It's a big dookie right there in the middle center court. And that's because he has not been nearly as good as he was last year. And I know the numbers aren't that different, but the eye tests says otherwise. If this is the version of Alfred Payton, where he's only playing 20 minutes, right? He's only playing 20 minutes. Twelve po- Last five games, 12 points, three assists, four rebounds, only one turnover, 57% from the field. Um, if this is the version of Payton that we've gotten all – that we would have gotten all year, I don't think my take would have aged as poorly as it did. I, I'm giving myself this pat on the back. Andrew Claudio, you cannot take it from me. Take it. I don't want it. It's okay. I am perfectly fine with being wrong because I was with you on the like. I also thought the Knicks were going to tank back in in December, so I didn't mind signing Alfred Payton. But are we sure this this is like these five good games we're talking about are actually like this season? Absolutely, they're his hundred percent easily compared to. But like he. He got pulled in the Memphis game down the stretch for Quickly and Rose because they were going with more shooting. He barely played in the Raptors game down the stretch. Now, the Laker game, yeah, he looked incredible, but... Yeah, but that's, that's Tibbs recognizing... That's Tibbs being a fucking coach and not, and, not be, and not, you know, playing it safe and not worrying about... I'm not saying Tibbs does this, but that's Tibbs not playing not to lose. That's Tibbs playing to win, where it's like, okay, I got I, my guy did what needed to he needed to do. I'm going with the crew that I I believe is going to give me the best chance to win this game. Well, I, I, I agree. My my point is more. I'm more crediting Tibbs for what Alfred Payton's last five games has looked like because I don't think, other than the Laker game, has he played more than like 25, 26 minutes? He's they're limiting him to backup minutes, which is what he should be. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's part of it. Um, and yeah, no, the, the high minute total was against the Lakers. That was twenty seven minutes, and then um, last night was twenty three. Nothing else over twenty. Jonas, um, thank you. I'm gonna uh, send you down because I, I want to get um, I want to get funny up here to, to close us out. Wait, how do I? Here we go. Invite to speak. I just there we go. I need to hear from this from, from this just what? absolute gem of a human being. Right now. <laughs> Do you hear me? I have my uh, my earbuds in. Yeah, it's, it's low, but we got you. Okay. What's up, fellas? Um, how's the weather in LA right now, bud? 
Oh, dude, it's like actually overcast. It's like pretty shitty. It might not be sunny for like another hour. Fuck you. I hate it. I hate him so much. Oh my I hate God. all of it. How's the weather back east? It looked pretty good uh, on the Yankee game last night. We're yeah, I mean right now uh, in the in uh, I could say it is sunny, Massapequa Park. Uh, some some a little overcast, but for us we'll take it. I I have not um, been outside in a few hours. Uh, I I had to do my food shopping early today, um, but it was it was it looked it felt like it was warming up. So yeah, funny the Mets have played seven games this year. <laughs> oh I know I have more Mets Met fan friends than Yankee fan friends, and they won't shut the fuck up ever. So. They just, yeah. I can't, I, all I can do is talk because they don't play games anymore. <laughs> yeah, but they're looking better than the Yankees so far, so. That is true, yes. Giddy up. Um, funny, give me. One, yeah. One, one, one thing about last night's game that I have to say, we've knocked the refs so many goddamn times. They let them play last night, and yep. that I that benefited the Knicks immensely. It, it, um, it was a fair whistle, right? I thought it was a fair whistle. Um, yeah, as I mean, much as uh, the the other team, uh, you know, bitched and moaned all night. I mean, can I man, just? I, say- I, I, I I love Luca. I really do. Like, I, there was a lot of Luca slander on Nick's Twitter last night. I love Luca, but man, every goddamn call, bro. Like, just come on. He throw there. It's it's actually like when Tim Duncan would make the Tim Duncan face after a Don call or, or a call or whatever, that was endearing. Lucas, this is not endearing. And I'm with you. I think Lucas, yeah. I, I, you saw, I ranked him as the most untradeable player in the league. I think he's, he's the best asset in basketball probably since like um, Steph Curry, like five years ago. But like, this isn't, it. it's, it's annoying. And I like, do Mavs fans like him bitching like this? I, I mean, I can't imagine they do, but whatever. To each their own, I suppose. Um, All right. I think we did this one. uh, I think this we did this one justice, fellas. What do you think? I'll take it. Fantastic as always. I I really look forward to these. I know everybody uh, in the room looks forward to these. So thank you, boys. Oh, uh, great way to start the weekend. It, It really is. And like, but can I tell you? I'm already. I'm already thinking forward. It's we're now 25 hours away from the next game. I'm like, man. Can we just can we just polish it off? Can we make it six? Can we get to the next week of six? I just want to. Yeah, why not? Uh, I want it so bad. I really do. Uh, anyway, it's coming. We got it. We got it's this coming. one. All right, um, Andrew Claudio. Anything from you before we get out of here? I actually have one thing, if you don't mind. Um, I, I, I don't mind at all. So I don't mean to. I guess this is kind of a nice note, uh, guys. This week was not the easiest for me personally. I was. I'm sure some of you saw what I put on Twitter on Thursday that a year ago, uh, my family lost my uncle to COVID. Um, being able to kind of dive into Nick's film school and just kind of wrap myself in my work and the Knicks being good and being a nice distraction is new. Um, it really has felt like an extended family is helping us get through all this. So Thank you on behalf of me and my family for all you guys do and all you guys say and all you guys contribute and for giving us this platform. And as John said, let's make it six in a row on Sunday. Um, well said, Andrew. You are uh, – I, I, you know I feel the same way. This is, this is as family as family gets. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a special thing we got going here. 
Um, and uh, yeah, let's, uh, you know, win or lose, we always have each other, which is nice. And one last thing, this hoodie is never coming off the wall. I, I <laughs> John, I mean it. The first thing that happened after that hoodie went up was Quickly's three to make it an 11-point game against Memphis. Uh, and they've won five games in a row since. Uh, it's just great. It's, it's, it's everything you want. What All happens right. if they win 15 in a row? Uh, okay, we're 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 done here. We're, there, we're, we're, that's we're, how irrational we get on this pod today. There we're, we go. We're, we're we're done, everybody. Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for ch- tuning in, chiming in, all the things. And uh, yeah, we'll see you uh, see you for post game live stream uh, tomorrow. Adios. 